0: Hey there, you're listening to Fun Times and Flushing, a positive podcast about the New York Mets. I am Michael Smith, here to talk Mets baseball with you. On today's show, we're talking live, actual Mets baseball. The games don't count, but who cares? It's spring training, baby. Let's go. That theme was from Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your podcast themes at kylespodcastthemes at gmail.com. If you want to find any links discussed in today's show or to learn more about the show, go to funandflushing.com slash 23. That is funandflushing.com slash the numbers two, three. We got a week of spring training under our belts. Started on Monday. Got all the way through to Saturday. We saw Marcus Stroman pitch. We saw Jacob deGrom pitch. We saw a grand slam from Pete Alonso. How good does that feel? We saw Brandon Nimmo start off just scorching hot. And we're gonna get into all of it. I'm sending you some of my um, my musings, shall we say, from this first week of spring training. I, I try to be I try to be positive, but I try not to be naive. But when you look at spring training, I mean, guys, it's. I'm recording this on March 6th. It's March 6th. Like, I, I look at the positives and I say, that means something. If you're performing well, you're performing well. And that's something to get excited about. If you're performing negatively, I'm going to try to look at, is this a problem or is this... You know, something that can be worked on over the next three weeks before we get to opening day. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to start with Marcus Stroman because he's the the first guy we saw in action. First game, uh, well, second game, but first televised game that we were able to see. Uh, he just looked sensational. He just looked so good. He's throwing a new pitch, a split change. He said afterwards he's really happy with it. Uh, he said he's never really thrown a change up before. Uh, but he was able to throw this one consistently, and he liked the way it felt, and he liked the way it moved, and it, you could see that the hitters were swinging right over it, and it was really working for him, and that's exciting. You know, he had a year off, he had all this time to to work on this, and to to get a new pitch going, to work, to look at how he how he's facing hitters, how he's dealing with them, and how he can improve on that, and to find out that he did that is exciting, and hopefully this helps bring him to a new level. Marcus Stroman's a really good pitcher. Historically, his track record is awesome. So if we can get him to unlock something and jump to that next level in 2021 where he's pitching for a new contract, I mean, that's awesome. And he's, he, he lobbied to get into this game. I believe Jordan Yamamoto, who ended up pitching the third and fourth innings, was supposed to start it. Marcus Stroman went to Luis Rojas and said, I want to pitch in this game. I haven't faced hitters in a really long time. And I want to get in this game and I want to face live opponents. And I think that's great. You know, these games don't matter, but they do. To get in there and to, to throw that change up and get to see how actual hitters react to it, that's super important. And, you know, you, if you're walking around the clubhouse and you say, hey, you know, I'm trying this new change up. Then Michael Conforto is not going to be surprised by it. So, that live BP, while it's better than just throwing to a catcher in an empty batter's box, it's not the same as facing live opponents. And to get that experience and to desperately want that experience after taking a year off, I, I just, that's got to be so valuable as you get set now to look ahead. He's pitching on Sunday, March 7th how you progress and how you say, I need to be ready for game two, game three, whichever game Marcus ends up pitching. Uh, that's that's super important. And to just get off on the right foot, I think is pretty big as well. Now, I mentioned that was the second game. So we saw Francisco Lindor in that game. We saw Pete Alonso in that game. I just thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, listening to Luis Rojas before game started, he talked about playing multiple days in a row early. Something that usually they don't do. Now, granted, they're only playing four or five innings, so it's not a huge deal. But they don't usually play multiple days in a row. He wasn't, I I mentioned Marcus Stroman, wasn't pitching in this game originally, wasn't planning to pitch in this game originally. He's not concerned, Luis Rojas, about pitchers getting their innings in. Uh, He was asked about, changing their plans. The Mets are only playing a select group of teams, and in that group is the Marlins and the Nationals. He was asked about facing division opponents and not pitching his main pitchers, his Didrams, his Strowmans, against them, just to kind of keep the mystery alive or <laughs> whatever you want to, however you want to put it. It's, an, it's, a, it's a plan. I don't know if it's really worth it. I think you need to get these guys ready, but He had said that he's not concerned about pitchers ramping up. He thinks they're going to hit their normal pitch counts and be ready to go when the season starts. He's more concerned with hitters getting their at-bats in. They're playing less games than they usually do in a sprint schedule. They're playing like four or five less games. And he is concerned with these guys getting the proper number of at-bats to be ready April 1. I mean, you got to realize, the Mets are going up against Matt Scherzer most likely on April 1st, to to not be fully ready to go, to to not be raring and, and, and ready to hit the ground running on April 1, and you step in the box against Matt Scherzer, who's an ultra-competitive crazy person, uh, <laughs> he could be in for a long night. So and the same goes for the Nationals with the drama. You know, I'm sure that's something that they're concerned about as well. But Luis Rojas has to get his guys ready. To face Max Scherzer on April 1st. And that's. That's a daunting proposition. You have to have your at-bats. And you have to be ready to go. And these guys are professionals. I'm sure they'll get there. But to that end. Nimolindor and Alonzo. Traveled to that first game. And then they played in the second game. So he was true to his word. He's he's getting these guys in games. And he's getting them there at-bats. Now. Lindor is the only guy who hasn't really hit yet. Of those three, I should say. Lindor hasn't really hit yet, but you look at Brandon Nimmo, you look at Pete Alonzo, Brandon Nimmo's red hot to start this spring training schedule. I mean, I'm thrilled with what Brandon Nimmo is doing right now. I'm going to have more on this on my blog, Fun Times in Flushing. I'm sorry, funinflushing.com. Uh, you can go there. You can see the blog. I'm going to have a post up tomorrow, Sunday, March 7th, about Brandon Nimmo, about his hot start, and about what he needs to do this offseason. I'll touch on it a little bit here. Brandon Nimmo had a tremendous 2018. Tremendous. That's the only season he's played a full, a full major league season. Now, 2020, not, not his fault. He played 55 out of 60 games. But it's one thing to do it for 55 games. It's another thing altogether to do it for 140, like he played in in 2018. Other than that season, if you take out 2018, he's never played in more than 69 games in a season. It, it, it's not fair to call it a fluke because he performed extremely well in 2020. But when he came back in, you know, when he came in 2019, he didn't perform well to start the season. We later found out he was dealing with a neck issue. He missed a ton of time. And he had a great end to the season when he came back. But he's got to prove now that he can do it again for a full season. You know, I hopefully he's not a center fielder for very much longer. But to be a major league outfielder, I think he's got the bat to do it. We know he can get on base. He's great at that. But he's got to prove he's got the bat. And he talked, he, talked, he was talking to the media. Uh, earlier this week, and he mentioned that he's not—he thinks he could be a 300 hitter if he went up there and he swanted every pitch he thought he could hit. But that's not his job. That's not the kind of player he is. He believes it's his job to get on base, whether he ends up batting first or batting in the bottom of the order. I'm I'm kind of partial to the idea of batting him ninth, batting the pitcher eighth, especially if it's a uh, Degrom and Noah a guy we know can hit. But he wants to get on base with Conforto, with Lindor, with Alonzo, with McNeil coming up behind him. I think I talked about it on this podcast previously. If he gets on base, those guys are getting him in. More times than not, I would bet. If he gets on base, if he gets on base to lead off an inning, and you got Lindor, Conforto, Alonzo, some combination of those guys coming up next, you're going to score a lot of runs. And that's obviously going to put this team in a good position to win games. So I love that that's Brandon's philosophy. But even if he's rocking with that philosophy, and I think he has a walk or two so far in this spring training schedule. I mean, he's, I think he's five for seven so far in the first week with an absolute laser beam of a home run in that game on Thursday. I'm really impressed with Brandon's start. Uh, You don't want to. I talked about the positives. You take the positives of spring training and you run with them. The only negative here is you don't want to get too hot because you don't want to cool down by April 1. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, you just got to be thrilled with Brandon Nimmo so far. Pete Alonso, a lot of power hitters, what a lot of guys want to do, and I've heard this with like Giancarlo Stanton, guys of that ilk. They want to let the ball... Get deep on them in sprint training. They're not focusing on results. That's, that's one of the things with sprint training is you don't want to get too caught up in results. Just guys are working on things. They're framing their approach and, and, and trying to, at times, reinvent themselves as players, pitchers, hitters, whatever it may be. And they want to focus on the fundamentals. When you're Giancarlo Stanton and you know, barring injury, you're batting third or fourth for the New York Yankees as their designated hitter on opening day no matter what happens, you don't have to worry about it. Pete Alonso is going to be playing first base for the New York Mets on opening day, no matter what happens. Batting third, batting fourth, whatever. So, to me, what it looks like Pete is doing, and I wrote about Pete last week, funandflushing.com, go to the blog, you'll see that post. I wrote about, you know, with Pete, you know what these guys want to do. What these power hitters want to do. They want to let the ball get deep on them, because a lot of times what they end up doing is they get out in front. It's all a timing thing. You, you know, you, this is the, these are things you have to work on, timing, and that ball's coming in so fast. You got to be ready to swing if you, if it's a strike, <laughs> if it's something you got to hit. So what Stanton likes to do in spring training is he likes to let the ball get deep on him. He likes to get as as much of a visual on that ball as he possibly can. And that helps him frame his approach for, as the season goes, Giancarlo Stanton's obviously a pull hitter. But the thing about Stanton is, and this goes for Pete as well, he's so strong that even if he gets beat by a fastball, if he gets it, if he barrels it, it's, it's going to go. And that's for Pete as well. And Pete was asked about it, and he said, uh, Pete was asked about the the deadened ball, so to speak. You know, a lot of, lot's been made of the juiced ball, whatever. And MLB said, it's going to be deadened this year. They're taking the juice out of it, whatever you want to say. And Pete said, I'm not worried about it. If I do my job, if I put the barrel on the ball, it's going to go a long way. And what we've seen from Pete so far, particularly with that grand slam, he let the ball get deep on him. Put the barrel, he put the barrel of the bat on it, and it went. And that's exciting because what I wrote about with Pete on the blog is that if you look at his splits, what he did against fastballs versus what he did against breaking balls versus what he did against off-speed pitches, and you try to line that up with what we saw from Pete in 2020, He was off balance. He was in between. He actually. He destroyed fastballs in 2019. He was all over them. He actually saw more fastballs in 2020. And performed worse against them. You would think. You know pitchers would want to throw him less fastballs. Throw him more breaking stuff. They actually threw him more. And it threw him off balance a little bit. He was. He had adjusted so much to get. Two curveballs, two off speed pitches, that those fastballs were getting by him. And that hurt his whole that hurt his whole overall season greatly. You know, he still he barreled them up and they went. And he hit 16 home runs. But his overall performance was lesser, and that was obvious if you were watching those games, which a lot of us were. So now what Pete has to do now is he has to Evolve as a hitter. This is third major league season. A lot of guys struggle in that second season, and he didn't have a full season to make adjustments. A lot of guys have talked about that, talked about that shortened season. A lot of really good players had some rough seasons. And I, I've heard a couple of guys, I think Javi Baez, namely, talk about that short season, that condensed schedule, that really pressure to help your team win as many games as possible in a short sprint as opposed to the normal marathon that they usually are running. Put the pressure on him, and it made him feel like he didn't have time to make adjustments. And I think that probably affected a lot of guys. You know, as good as you may be, as focused as you may be, as well-intentioned as you may be, if you start off bad in April, and you have till September to figure it out, You can take a week in the end of April, early May, and hit the cage early. And, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of even power hitters focus on hitting line drives. That helps them letting the ball get deep. That helps them see the ball better. And it helps them get going. When you start at the very end of July and you just have till September, you'd have to just figure it out and go. You don't have time for all that. And I think that affected a lot of guys and Pete you know, maybe among them. So he's got time now to figure it out to make the adjustments. He had all off season. I'm sure he thought about it a lot. He talked about it in that opening press conference from before the spring game started. That it was rough last year and he was really bothered by it. And I'm sure he spent a lot of time thinking about it, a lot of time watching himself hit. And I... I just feel very strongly that this is a guy who's going to be super ready to go in 2021. And if this, you know, start that he's had is any indication, he hit a grand slam the other day. He hit uh, a double to right field today that, uh, you know, of course we didn't see it because for some reason all these games aren't televised. But he hit a double today that supposedly went off the wall on the fly in right field. So that's, Exciting. Again, that's letting the ball get deep and barreling it up. And that's something that Pete did anyway. Like I talked about that as an approach for spring training to get yourself ready for the season. Something Pete did anyway. Like I said, it's something Stanton can do. That's something Judge can do. So that's something that he should be doing anyway. And if he's doing that now, you know, we're, we're going to be ready to go April 1. So there's a lot to be excited about uh, with Alonzo as well as Brandon Nimmo. Uh, How about Jeff McNeil hitting a home run, Uh, a big looping breaking ball off a left-hander? That's exciting. Uh, That's something, you know, Jeff is also evolving as a hitter. So with him, we've seen him hit righties for power. We've seen him hit, you know, he's very good at serving that ball the other way. You hope he's uh, not getting too pull-happy, too homer-happy again. You know, just put good swings on the ball. and But that ball was absolutely launched. Uh, that was, you know, that was great. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be too upset uh, at somebody hitting a home run. You have to worry about that with Jeff, but hopefully he, he just keeps himself clear. I, I like his approach from 2019 of, I'm going to hit the ball on strike one, strike two. I'm going to swing and take bait swings and after that it's you know for you know when there's two strikes and when there's two strikes I'm going to defend the plate and I'm gonna put the ball in play and try to help my team and I I think that's a good approach and not a lot of guys do that anymore but if if Jeff does that and he gets the ball out a couple times then all the better (laughs) uh we also saw a home run from Albert Almora Jr. in that first game. And that was not something I was anticipating. <laughs> Alberto Almora ha- has not been a hitter for a, a big chunk of his major league career. He's not a bad hitter, but that's not why you bring in Albert Almora Jr. And that's going to be interesting to see how that competition shakes out between him and Kevin Pillar. I don't know if both of them are going to make the team. I. I guess it's possible. Uh, It's not undoable, but one of them is going to be the first guy to go out and play center field. Almora is a better defender, so he might be the defensive replacement. But if Kevin Pillar keeps playing like he's playing now, it's early, but he's three for his he's no sorry he's four for his first five at bats. Uh, he's gonna start first. If he's if he goes out as a right-handed hitter and hits lefties when whatever they decide to do to to make room for him in center field he's gonna play over almora so not the not the sexiest uh, position battle that's taking place in major league baseball this spring training but certainly one to watch because if he's playing you are losing the bat of nimmo dom smith Or Pete Alonso, There's Some configuration is going to allow Kevin Pillar or Albert Amora into the starting lineup. Where you're going to lose one of those three bats. So you need to make up at least some of that production. Uh, Again, sticking kind of with that first game. Jordan Yamamoto. Not great in his two innings. Uh, The thing about Yamamoto... He didn't have a good year last year. uh he got in four games. he started three of them. Uh, that game he didn't start. He came in in the second inning and pitched two and two and two thirds innings. Uh, that was the game I believe the Braves won twenty seven to nine. uh, they just absolutely destroyed Marlins pitching that day, Yamamoto among them uh he just he didn't have a good year last year. There's just no way around it. But it's short in season. He played, He pitched in four games. But the Marlins, I mean, look, the Marlins gave up on him. And he was a, he was supposed to be a you know, pretty good prospect. I would kind of like to see the Mets pitch him out of the bullpen. So he has a pitching repertoire that kind of reminds me of Seth Lugo. And I think he could learn a lot from Lugo. Um, he, has a good, he has a good whiff percentage on his breaking stuff. He gets guys to swing and miss at it. Uh, his fastball velocity, he doesn't throw as hard as Lugo. But he's got the good breaking ball. I would kind of like to see him try to just, like we saw Lugo do it, Lugo did out of the bullpen. I would like to see him just come in for an inning and just spin that breaking ball. And just throw hitters off. Like if he's coming in after. Drum De- or Strowman Or Syndergaard. One of these guys that doesn't have a big looping breaking ball. Obviously it doesn't work if he comes in after Seth Lugo. Uh, you know. Whether Lugo starts or leaves. Whatever. But if he comes in after one of those guys. And those guys are throwing hard. Or sinkers or whatever. And he comes in and he's spinning this big looping breaking ball up there. Guys are going to be off balance. And we saw, even when Lugo went back to the starting rotation last year, that experience coming out of the bullpen and getting those swings and misses and and having that success helped him. And I think the same could be true for Yamamoto. I, I haven't seen a ton of this guy. I can't lie and say that I know him backwards and forwards, but looking at the way he was spinning that breaking ball up there, it reminded me of Lugo. It's not as good as Lugo's breaking ball, but it's pretty damn good but he and and looking at the numbers it just it, it kind of lines up he's a similar style of pitcher i don't think he'll be as good as lugo but he's a similar style of pitcher and i think he could benefit from that and even if it's just coming in getting 3 outs and doing that consistently it, it could help him confidence wise and maybe he'll stick maybe if he goes out to the bullpen And he's only facing, you know, supposed to face three batters. Maybe he'll pick up a couple extra miles per hour on that fastball. And he'll find that. And he'll get the chance to be a little more dominant and a little, you know, harder throwing. And he might find that success. It's worth a shot. You traded for him. He's yours. He's under contract. He's not, you know, he's not a guy who, if the Mets don't have a spot in the rotation for him, He can just leave. He's not on one of those, like, uh, invites. So what the hell? Go for it. The Mets need arms in this bullpen. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Mets need arms in this bullpen, and he's different than most bullpen arms. You know, most guys are throwing hard. He's going to be spinning a breaking ball up there. So I I say give it a shot. Uh, Clearly, I was very interested to see him. So MLB.com has him as the seventh ranked Mets prospect, which we know is not a rich system. But he was pretty highly ranked in the Royal system as well. And I'm a little concerned. Now, he's he's only played in double A. That's the highest he's gotten. And obviously, they didn't have a season last year. So we got to see as spring progresses. I hope that they keep getting him at bats deep into spring. But I'm a little concerned. And the reason being, in his first at bat, which again was like his first competitive at bat in, you know, a year and a half, he was just very passive. He wasn't, he was just taking pitches, but he wasn't like, they weren't competitive takes, if you understand my meaning. And then in his second at bat, he was swinging at everything, like he was overcompensating. And, and I think he went down on three pitches. You just. It's so much easier said than done. I can't hit anything. Hitting's hard. But you just want to see the guy have a competitive approach up there. And. I even saw it. He ended, you know, he ended up playing Thursday and watching that game. You could kind of still see. His approach. Was kind of fly by night. Like he like. He, he wasn't going into the at-bat with an overall approach. He was just, whatever his most latest result was, that was how he was attacking the Nets pitch. And what I'd like to see him do is just get a little more confident at the plate and have an approach. Again, we're talking about a guy who hasn't played a repetitive game since 2019. So he could go to double A to start the season. And be up by August and be a completely different player, but we got to see a little bit of pro- progress here. You're getting the chance to face at times major league pitching. Take advantage of it and try to show something. You know, he's supposedly not a guy who has a ton of power, but he's fast. I'd like to see him get on the bases and run a little bit. I just i i i feel that could be. Uh, this is a positive experience for a lot of these guys, and I'm about to get into many more of them. Positive experience for these guys, and you just, you just want to see them get something out of it. Uh, we saw, sticking in the outfield, this is a tough name, Janeshwi Fargus, but he had some good swings, particularly in that first game. He hasn't hit a ton in his minor league career. He's another guy who can run. He's stolen a lot of... Blo- He's stolen a lot of bases, and he's played mostly center field, but he played right field in this one, in this game on Tuesday. So you can see that they're, they're, some guys aren't comfortable in all three outfield positions, so they they wanted to get him out in right field. They had Pete Crow Armstrong in center, so that was part of it as well, and he can run. So this is a guy you might see at the end of the season, no 40-man rosters anymore, but They might try to sneak him on the bench and and steal bases. Who knows? But he's got a hit. You know, no 40-man roster. He's got a hit to make that a possibility. So hopefully, you know, he he was putting up some good swings earlier this week. Hopefully, he keeps that going. He was seeming to make the most of it. And there's a couple of other guys. Mark Vientos, 8th-ranked Mets prospect at MLB.com. He's a third baseman. He was playing first base. In this game, uh, the Mets have a, a young man named Brett Beatty who's coming up, who is supposed to be, who's higher ranked than Vientos, supposed to be a pretty good third baseman and a left-handed hitter. Uh, but Vientos made a couple nice plays at first base. Could they be putting him at first base to try to up his trade value? That's a possibility. Uh, you, you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch? Uh, the The Mets had a really good third base pro- had a really good third base product yeah the mets had a really good third base prospect about 15 years ago a little more uh named David Wright and they brought up another young third baseman named Ty Washington and he got rookie of the year votes and then David Wright came up and they were like get out of here <laughs> your services are no longer needed Ty Washington so you, you want to make sure that Bay going to pan out before you start planning to trade Vientos, but it's a good idea to see his versatility. You know, he might not be a guy who you can put out in the outfield, but if he could play both corner infield positions. Then you're not just looking to trade him to a team that's in need of a third baseman. They might need a first baseman. You know, it just opens up your possibilities who you can trade into. to. But he made a couple of nice plays over there. Looks like he can hit a little bit. Just an interesting guy to watch, I think. Uh, We saw Sam McWilliams pitch. Highly talked about reliever. A lot of people real excited about him. Uh, He got a major league contract this offseason from the New York Mets, despite having never pitched in a major league game. Supposedly, he had like 15 contract offers from, you know, know, 15 teams. Uh, Just one game. Just one game. But I was not impressed. Not one bit. Uh, His fastball wasn't explosive. Just watching kind of where the catcher was setting up and where the pitch finished. His control wasn't great. His motion is strange. He, when he puts down his front leg. Before he releases the ball, he almost stops the momentum that his body has moving forward before he releases the ball, which doesn't quite make sense to me. It just all looked a little funky and not in a good way, like you usually see with some of these pitchers with funky motions. I was discouraged. A lot of people were real excited about him. Uh, He got through the inning, but I believe he gave up one run. But I, I just oof, I just wasn't thrilled. A lot of people were super excited about him. I Obviously, he hasn't pitched in a major league game, so I really haven't seen anything he's done. But I was less than thrilled with what he had going for him in that game. It's just one game. It's just the beginning of spring training, hopefully. He picks up a little bit on that fastball. It looked like he was throwing hard. It just, you know, I've heard hitters talk about now, one guy's 98 is not the same as another's. One guy, it just kind of explodes out of his hand. The other guy, it just doesn't. And it looked like he was throwing hard. It just didn't look like it was getting up on hitters quickly. And that's something, hopefully, as spring training progresses, maybe he finds that, maybe he doesn't. Maybe the control comes, you know, hopefully. Maybe it doesn't, though. So this is just something that, The Mets really gambled on giving this guy a major league contract. They wanted him. They wanted him bad. Hopefully, that gamble does not come back to bite them. I mentioned seeing Pete Crow Armstrong play in this game, getting in at bat against a professional pitcher. Mind you, this man is 18 years old. He was born on March 25th, 2002. So he's about to be 19. But he's a young man, he was just drafted last year. He's the fifth ranked prospect in the Mets system. Uh he looked I was kinda I was kinda laughing uh when he struck out uh, in his first at bat. Cause the pitcher uh, I'm sure the pitcher was just thinking he's eighteen years old. Like they just they just hooked the curveball in on him. And it was it was a hittable pitch. It was over the middle of the plate, but Pete just his knees buckled, and he just walked to the dugout. He knew uh, it was it was it was kind of funny. Uh, hopefully, we'll see him be a little more competitive on those pitches before the spring ends. Uh, maybe he gets a little more aggressive on fastballs. Uh, <laughs> and 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 I'm not laughing at him. Like he's 18 years old. Like of course he's never seen a breaking ball like that before. The guy's a, that guy's a legit pitcher. You know. But hopefully, we get to see him be a little more competitive on those pitches. Actually, uh, put a swing on them. Even if he doesn't make contact, he got his first hit on Saturday in uh, his seventh at bat. So that was pretty cool. Hopefully, so we just see him put a couple more at bats together, get a couple more innings in the field. Listening to he talked about it, uh, his his media availability, his press conference, super impressive for eighteen. Super impressive. He was giving lots of credits, lots of credit to the guys around him. Uh, he mentioned Kevin Pillar. He mentioned Albert Almora. He mentioned first base coach and outfield coach Tony Tarasco as guys that have just worked with him and tried to help him as much as he as they could. He talked about how he's surprised that he's there, and I was surprised he's there as well. But he has a really good attitude. He was told, and so was Matthew Allen, who I'm about to talk about. Sorry, Matt Allen. Matt Allen. Uh, they talked about, they were they got the phone call. You're coming to Major League Spring Training. You got the invite. You have no chance to make this team. You're here for experience. But they have good attitudes about that. They're there to learn. You know, Pilar and Al Mora helping out this guy. Pilar's been around a long time. Pilar went to an ALCS. He's got a lot of experience. Albert Amora, been around quite a bit. I believe he was on that World Series team for the Cubs. There's so much to learn from these guys. There's so much to learn. Sit there and listen. You know, hopefully Pete gets to talk to Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, about being a left-handed hitter. Major lead caliber left-handed hitter. But there's just so much to learn if you sit there and you listen and these guys seem like they're there to sit there and listen. And that's pretty cool to have that attitude to just say, hey, listen, I'm here. I know I'm not making the team, but what can I get out of this experience? And with Matt Allen, he talked about guys like DeGrom and Stroman. He basically said he was assigned to just follow Jacob DeGrom around. And DeGrom was told he's going to ask a hundred questions, just answer them. And he said DeGrom's been super cool about it. Showing him how to go about his business and make himself better. Being a starting pitcher in professional baseball is not easy. Matt Allen had the opportunity to do it. Unlike Pete, Matt had the opportunity to do it. Matt was drafted two years ago. So he was on a Brooklyn Cyclones team that won a New York Penn League championship. So he talked about how he's already got that taste of going and pitching in professional baseball and winning a championship, and he wants to do it again. And I think that that's cool because he's only 19 years old. Walt were drafted out of high school in the past two years. And he talked about winning that championship, wanting to do that again. He talked about going to Brooklyn last year and pitching in that alternate site for players that are are there to back up the major league rosters when there wasn't any minor leagues. And, And that was in Brooklyn. And he went there and he saw Marcus Stroman and he saw all these other guys that have been in the majors before, and he worked on his changeup now it's one of his favorite pitches to throw. He talked about throwing it with the Gram. he talked about stamina with the Gram. He talked about how to handle your off days because it's not the same as high school. It's not the same. It's wildly different it's He talked about how it's way more games than he'll ever have to, than he's ever had to pitch before in a, in a single year, and the fact that He sounded, both of them sounded so calm, so poised, talking to the media, and so eager to learn. Just has to be exciting to Met fans. It just has to be. It it was just so great to hear. And I mentioned that his name is Matt, not Matthew. He was asked, do you prefer Matt or Matthew? And he said, when people call me Matthew, it reminds me of getting yelled at by my mother. And... I thought that was great because he's 19 years old. He was like probably yelled at it by his mother last week. So it's probably fresh in his mind. He wants to be called Matt, so we'll call him Matt. Just a couple other things. Uh, we saw... <sighs> Keep saying we saw. Did we see? Did you see? I saw. Did you see? Maybe I didn't see. Maybe you saw. But I'll just go with we. We saw Sean Reed Foley throw a clean inning. He came over in the Stephen tray. That was cool. Stephen Tarpley. Clean inning. In a game earlier this week. Thomas. I hate. We're going to need to get a clean pronunciation of this name. Thomas Sapuki, I believe it is. Uh, Through a scoreless inning. Number nine prospect MLB.com in the Mets system. 24 years old. Pitched in one double A game in 2019. Obviously no 2020 season. He's a guy the Mets are pretty excited about. Hopefully. I don't know what ETAs are now. I don't know. Are they the same? Are they pushed back a year? Like, is is Thomas maybe coming up this season? Is he maybe not? I don't know what the Mets anticipate from him. I don't know what any teams anticipate from anybody. Any of these prospects. It's so hard to tell. It's so hard to get a read. But I'm hoping that we start to get a feel for that. If he throws a scoreless inning. And Major League Spring Training, that's great. Hopefully we see a little bit more of him and we start to get a feel of where he's at. Because I'm very interested in that. I'm very interested in what we might get from him. The Mets have have six or seven starting pitchers that you'd feel pretty comfortable with them throwing. But... You get a couple injuries, it's not long. I mean, I, especially with this elbow scare with Seth Seth Lugo, I don't want to see him brought out of the bullpen. I want to see him be in the bullpen all year long. If he just get a couple injuries, which, knock on wood, we won't, but we will. Uh, it just, it, it's just what happens, you know, nine times out of ten. I would rather see him, Thomas Spooky than some of the other Options, If, you know, if he gets off to a good start April, May, and the Mets need a starting pitcher in June, you want to see Tommy Hunter? I don't, like, I'd rather take a chance with a young guy who's pitching well in the minors than Tommy Hunter, who might give you five innings, three runs on a good day. I I just feel like there's a higher ceiling with... Again, I'm just going to go with Thomas. Uh... (laughs) with Thomas than Tommy Hunter. That's just my feel. Obviously, if you need a starter in April, then you'd got to go with Tommy Hunter, Mike Montgomery, but I'd rather see them take a chance with one of these younger guys instead. Uh, Another position battle taking shape early on in camp. And again, I, I don't know exactly where the Mets fall on this, so maybe it's not as much of a battle as I think it is. Because I do think Jonathan VR is going to make this team kind of no matter what. But how about Luis Giorme? You know, those are two guys who fill that role of playing second, short, third, giving guys days off uh, off the bench. But Giorme's hitting. You know, I really think that's VR's job to lose. But Giorme's hitting again. Like there was, there was, the, there was kind of that chance. That 2020 was just a weird year, and he came out hot and just got comfortable, and you know that was just a fluke season. But he's hitting again, again. He just maybe it's just that soft spot you have for these guys that you've seen for years. I've seen Yorma made a name for himself a couple of years ago when he saved Brandon Nimmo's life uh, with that bat flying into the dugout. When if you watch that video, Brandon Nimmo inexplicably runs in the pat of the, bath, of the bat, the this flying bat heading towards the Mets dugout. <laughs> if you watch the video, Nimmo was not going to get hit by it and scared. He runs in the path of the bat, but Yormay know I mean? made that ridiculous catch of it flying through the air, spinning through the air. Um, but you, you get to see these guys kind of come along as the years go and He hits that big game tying home run against Washington in 2019. He gets hot and he plays really well in 2020. So yeah, I have a soft spot for him, and I'd rather watch him than Jonathan VR, who had a really good year a couple of years ago and has never really lived up to it since. But but VR VR is a good major league bench player. So you know. You'd kind of have to take off those blue and orange glasses and 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 see what's best for the team, not who do you like more and obviously, I like you or me more, but you know just trying to look at it as objectively as possible, he's hitting if he hits. how do you not put him on this team? He's a really slick fielder and he's a lefty, and he just hits like that's what he's done now. Last year and going into this year, so it's like uh, that's an interesting, interesting position battle. Again, I think, I think the jobs are. This this is tough. I've heard a lot of people mess this up. Polar and Vrs to lose, but Almora with a big home run. May heading early. Who knows? Interesting. That those are the most interesting battles I think. Other than the number five spot, we have the drum. We have Marcus Stroman. We have Cookie Carrasco, who we have not seen yet. And we have Taiwan Walker, who we have not seen yet, but he got into camp late. The number five spot is interesting. You have a couple of guys. I mentioned Mike and Tommy Hunter. You have you have Joey Lucchese. You have Jordan Yamamoto. And you have David Peterson. David Peterson obviously came up and was pretty exciting in 2020. He was fun. He, you know, wasn't really anticipated to be there, but played well when he did. And, you know, he ended up up pretty much pitching the whole season, uh, you know, after the injuries to Stroman and Syndergaard. But he pitched in this first game. Through the the standard two innings. His control was a little off. But. End of the day. Got through. One hit. No runs. Weak contact. He doesn't dazzle you. It's not the kind of pitcher he is. But he got the job done. He got through two innings. No runs. Just. Not dominant. Not dazzling. But weak contact. Getting through it. Just. He, I love him. <laughs> blue and orange glasses again. He's a guy now I've watched for a couple of years through spring training, and now he was on our team last year. He was a bright spot last year. Lefty again. I'm a righty, by the way. I'm not a lefty, but you know, baseball has this fascination with these lefty hitters and these lefty pitchers. It's not a full season job, ideally. Ideally, our top four guys stay healthy and pitch well, and Noah Cinderard comes back and is healthy and pitches well and The Mets don't need David Peterson for the full season, but I want to see him continue- i want to see him win this job. I want to see him continue to get experience. Noah Cinderard and Marcus Stroman are free agents after this season. There's a possibility neither one of them comes back, but it seems really unlikely that both come back. You're gonna need David Peterson in twenty twenty two like it's Not everything is about 2021. David Peterson. I hope is the front runner in the Mets minds because he's the front runner in my mind. He should be the pitcher that takes that number five spot. He's an excellent number five pitcher. I think based on what we saw last year. So I think that's fun and exciting again, lack of control. The thing is, and I talked about it with ben Williams. You hope, that those things get ironed out. Some of the stuff with McWilliams, I just... There was a lot I didn't like. I'm just being honest. It's not stuff that can't be fixed, but... There was just a lot I didn't like. It doesn't seem like it's necessarily something that's going to come together. Off the bat, and you know, and he's going to be ready and rocking April 1st. But with Peterson, it's a little different. It's a little bit of lack of control, but... Largely, the rest of his game was still there. So, I'm not that concerned about it one thing I am super concerned about Luis Rojas has put a major major focus on base running number one being a little more aggressive you know when it's called for going first to third first to home second home on a single finding runs on the bases that's that's great that's stuff you got to do, but also not making outs on the bases. You know, there are certain spots early in a game, two outs, base hit to right field. You're not positive you're going to make it, but let's try it. Let's test this guy. You try to score from second on a single. You make an out, you make an out. It, that, you, sometimes it, it's just what happens. Brandon Nimmo, Hot as he is. The first at bat of spring training. He singles. He runs. Rounds first. Goes too far. The ball comes in behind him at first base and he's out. The other day, he's on first base. three, two, one out. And he gets picked off. <sighs> you can't make outs on the bases. You can't make those outs on the bases. Again, there are spots you take chances... You get thrown out, you get thrown out. You can't make outs like those on the bases. You get a base hit to lead off an inning. You can't run, you can't round first too hard and get thrown out. I know that's Brandon's game, run hard, play hard. But you got to, if that's what you're going to do, you got to rein in a little bit. Can't get thrown out, round and first like that. I like Luis Rojas's focus on it. Uh, that was a thing in 2018 when that team got out to a crazy hot start. Uh, I don't want to say his name, but Mickey Callaway's focus was on base running. And I particularly remember as Dribble Cabrera, who was not a fast runner, really taking a hold of that. And he made a lot of aggressive plays on the base paths. And especially early on when that team got off to like an 11-1 start, all, like every chance he took. And it was out of character for him because we had seen him for a couple years at that point. It was out of character for him, but every chance he took was paying off. And it got contagious. Early on in that season, it got contagious and the rest of the team was buying in and it was fun. So I liked the idea of being more aggressive on the base path. Analytics doesn't necessarily jive with that, but if if you got smart players with good instincts, it can work. So hopefully we'll see that. I want to talk for a second about the bullpen, namely Jerry's Familia and Del Batances. I did not get to watch that game on Thursday live, that wonderful ESPN broadcast. I did not get to watch it live. I was following along on Twitter, and I went back and watched it later, and I was very nervous when the time came for Jerry's Familia and Del Batances to come into that game. But watching it and getting my own two eyes on it Gotta admit, I was a little encouraged, or should I say slightly less discouraged, than I had been previously. Here's the thing. If you watch, if you watch those, you know, if you watch those two innings, they were hitting their spots. If you watch where the catcher was setting up, they were throwing the ball where he was setting up, and they were hitting their spots. The breaking pitches just weren't as sharp as they maybe needed to be. The innings that the the at bats that kind of made those innings fall apart, particularly Batantis's, were battles. You know, it's not like he lost guys or was leaving pitches to hit out over the plate other than to Ryan Zimmerman. It was just they were battling and fouling off decent pitches, and they just couldn't put those guys away. Now, you get a couple more spins on those breaking balls, particularly Batantis's. Knuckle curve, familiar splitter. Maybe you put those guys away and you get out of those innings quicker, particularly without giving up a three run home run to Ryan Zimmerman. And it's it's March. It was March fourth that they played that game. If they can pick those up, and that is a big if, particularly with Potasas, who is just not the same guy post surgery so far. If they can pick up a little bit more on those breaking balls, Potasas particularly can find a couple more miles per hour on that fastball, maybe they can put those guys away on April 1st and get through those innings without the damage. And that would make me feel better about this bullpen. I'm still not thrilled with this bullpen. I have said that. Uh, They needed to do more this offseason, but it's too late now. (laughs) So... We got to figure out how to get these guys going, how to get these guys on track, and how to make it happen with Jerry Familia and Dylan Batanzas, and I think that that possibility is still there. All right. All right, that is it for this week's edition of Fun Times in Flushing. If you want to join the conversation, please call me. Leave me a voicemail, 845-206-9098. Let me know what you're thinking going into this 2021 season. Or you can leave me an email, funtimesinflushing at gmail.com. You want to find that information? You didn't have time to write it down? funinflushing.com slash 23. That's funinflushing.com slash the numbers 23. You can go there. You'll find that contact information. You'll find the show notes for this episode. You'll also find links to a bunch of podcast players. Go there, pick, a, pick one, pick any one. Go listen to the podcast there. Just when you do, please subscribe, rate, review the show. Tell a Mets fan. You know Mets fans. You have friends. You have family. They're Mets fans. Tell them about this show. Tell them just how great it is, how wonderful I am, and how they need to listen to this show. You can find me on Twitter at MSmith. It's the letter M for Michael, believe it or not. Smith F-I-F for Fun in Flushing. Or you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun in Flushing. Thank you so much for listening to my first spring training show. I'll be back later this week to discuss more of the comings and goings of Met Baseball down in Port St. Lucie as we get ready for the big day on April 1st. Uh, One thing, oh, one thing I didn't mention, Jacob deGrom, opening day starter, believe it or not. So (laughs) it will be Jacob deGrom starting against the Washington Nationals on opening day, Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber, and the rest. So that's what we have to look forward to. Although, honestly, I think we kind of knew that already. But Luis Rojas put it in pen. So, We will look forward to that. We will look forward to a hopefully wonderful season ahead of us in 2021. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you real soon.